Welcome to Duct Tape and Paperclips. I am Nathan Hartswick. And I'm Annie Russell. This is the show where we rewatch, review, and ridicule every episode of MacGyver for the first time since our childhoods. That's right. And tonight we are breaking down season one, episode 14, titled Countdown. Countdown. Oh my God, 14. This is crazy that we've gotten this yeah. far. We're going to find out if it holds up. But first, how was your week? What's going on with you? How's the, this is the catch up with Annie and Nathan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, hey, everybody. Hey, hey. <laughs> this is morning radio. What's going on? I would love to see your attempt at morning radio as a ooh, radio personality. Ooh, ooh. I mean, hey, yeah. I have literally been a morning radio. I know. Oh, I know. At That's NPR. Why I, I, want, I want to know what a morning, like what the sound effects would be for a morning radio. Oh, program. for, <laughs> yeah, for public radio, it would be really funny because it would be like, hey, hello. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for gathering with us Welcome. this morning. Hello. Like crickets and frogs and Yeah, exactly. Well, they do want you the the vibe they want, I can tell you right now, yeah. is they want welcome. Smile into the microphone. Like that's that's kind of the thing. So sometimes I catch myself and we're on video, so it makes more sense. Sometimes I catch myself like <laughs> as I'm speaking, I'm just sort of smiling. <laughs> and it looks I wonder actually... why you're creepily smiling at me every time we do this. <laughs> it's just trained into you. It's just trained into me. It's like, act like you're telling a story to your friend. I'm like, I should get involved in podcasting where that's what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what were, you, what were you up to this week? I, yeah, it's been kind of the usual pre-election stuff for oh me. I've been getting involved in a lot of just sort of meetings and preparation. I'm going to have a really long night on election night. I'm working. Um, three days away. Our, yeah, we're three days away. I'm working as part of our live broadcast late night. So I'll, I'll be working till like midnight on election night. And I wish that I was one of those people who could shut off Twitter and shut off all social media and just sort of um, be able to get away from it. But I'm going to be very much in it. Mm. Um, so if anyone is listening to this and you have the ability to turn it off, yeah. um, <laughs> I'm jealous of you. And I do think it on Annie's behalf. Do it. Do it for me. <laughs> do it for me because I do not have that option. Um, mm. We'll see. And of course... We'll you know, I just keep uh, talking to friends and telling them like it's totally normal if we don't know, we don't know what's going know. on on Tuesday. So mm -hmm. set that as an expectation. I hope that that expectation has gotten out to the larger population. Yeah, and what I what I learned this year is just sort of underscoring what I've known in the past, which is that you know actually. Uh, states and local governments don't call elections. The media typically does that based yeah. on very limited information. Well, and this so is, this is a nostalgia podcast. Do you remember where you were on election night 2000? <laughs> oh, oh, 2000. Oh, yeah, yeah, I sure do. I yeah, I remember that. And um, yeah, the expectation, nightmare. it was a total nightmare. And so yeah. the expectation is um, that people want to know immediately. And they're really anxious, especially right now. So so um, hopefully people have gotten the memo that yeah. uh, with all of the early and mail-in voting that we've done, we, we probably won't know. Crazy. Well, good luck with it. <laughs> I, I will. Yeah, I will be <laughs> fine. Um, what are your plans uh, for kind of seeing through the election? Are you trying to unplug at all? Yeah, we... <laughs> We have been sponsored by the state of Vermont to do a live stream comedy uh, show, which we are doing on November 21st. Um, and it's a big deal. Like we were getting some some names involved and we're getting a, a video firm involved that have like live streaming capabilities. And we're going to live stream from the comedy club. And we're going to like COVID test a small group of people. And there's going to be oh, live fun. performers there who are also going to be laughing. And it's going to be really fun. And we're doing... Um, we're going to film some video sketches for that show. Kind of like the fake commercials they do on Saturday Night Live or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the weekend we chose to all get COVID tested and go away to a cabin in the woods and shoot those sketches is this 
coming weekend. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that right when things are getting kind of crazy (laughs) with the news cycle, um, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever, that we'll be getting ready to kind of go into the woods for three or four days and make some comedy, which I think will be helpful to have something else to focus on. Yeah, I think that's a great plan. We'll just be silly together. Yeah, if anyone is planning to unplug, I think it's a good, um, good idea. I have no appetite right now for watching sort of any sort of intense drama Sure. Yeah. Or <laughs> crime. Oh, I- speaking of which, I have to uh, mention this. We binged all of the Doghouse Did UK. Did you watch all? How good is <laughs> yes, it? It's it's, it's, it's exactly what you need. Yeah. In this moment, I'm having a really hard time watching anything that's too heavy, and just watching people meet their dogs yeah. is exactly what you need. If you're obsessed with your dog as much as I am obsessed with my dog, uh, watching uh, a show like this is, it's great. is a lot of That's fun. Great. Well, uh, so thank you for the recommendation. I appreciate it. Yes. Uh, um, we have a special guest today for our episode about Countdown. Uh, she's an actor and a comedian and a writer and the creative director at Vermont Comedy Club and an alum of the Second City in Chicago. Please welcome Julia Fernando. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm psyched. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, I usually ask people personal questions right up front, but I have a question about the show, which is oh. that uh, I, I never told Annie why I had you on this particular episode of the podcast, but I'm assuming that you knew immediately why I had you on this episode. Nathan <laughs> I, loves I, to spring things on me <laughs> during the podcast taping. I great. love this. It's so much so, fun. So yeah, what's what's the story? Oh yeah, what well, I've flown a chopper before. No. no. <laughs> psych, psych. No, uh, I as soon as I saw it was uh, a cruise ship uh scene ah. drama. I I worked the high seas for like the better portion of a year on the yeah. Norwegian breakaway baby performing comedy. <laughs> so you're you're well versed in what it's like to live on a cruise ship at sea. That's true. Yes, I did have a, a little bit of an insight there. Awesome. So awesome. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to talk to you about that stuff. But let's uh, circle back to that. Uh, how are you? What's going on with you? How's your life these days? <sighs> good. Uh, yeah. Good. 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 I've been de- as every other uh, working actor. I've been developing my hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> I see a lot of cooking, a lot I, of that. I do. I love to cook. I always have. And now I have the time to devote to it. But some things you're like, I mean, like croissants, like what's the, what's the point? Like, just go buy them. Like, it's yeah, just right. too much. I, so I've, I've kind of been like doing the thing where it's like, oh, I've always wanted to make this. And then you make it and you're like, oh, I realize why I always just bought this. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. right. So. I think I never really realized what went into a croissant until I had watched Great British Baking Show. And I'm like, that's how they do it. <laughs> they I mean, fold, the like, layers, of layers the, of it's impossible. It. It's yeah. so hard to get those layers right. I mean, we and, can't all be Paul Hollywood, yeah. nor should we. <laughs> no, no, I think... I, 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 this is a controversial statement, but I get predatory vibes from Paul Hollywood. Don't yeah, for sure. He's the eyes are piercing, and I have a whole thing with Paul Hollywood. Like, I feel that he must have some serious father issues because he is so hard on every older man on that show. He is incredibly harsh on them. And other people just really get a pass uh, Hmm. from him. And it's any, like, young man is, like they get a million chances. They can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. If it's an older man or a person of color, Paul Hollywood is like, no. Also hot woman. If it's a hot woman, who's kind of like, ah, like you remember, I'm, I mean, I'm just call, calling it out. Ruby. Yeah. Stressed hot woman is yeah. definitely, uh, <laughs> he loves, he loves I think it's, if it's like a masculine younger man, yeah. then he's like, Ooh, yes, this is the future of bread. This is what this is what <laughs> Oh yeah, Richard with that pencil behind his ear. I mean, how many chances did Richard get to That's, to mess yeah. up and come back? Yeah. Yeah. And there's always, I mean, anytime there's any hint of a, a homophobic joke, he is snickering at it. You know, he's like He's definitely yeah, he's like too into it. Yeah, um, I am saying this is not a British baking show podcast. Well, so I mean, it is now. It should be. Um, <laughs> Certainly for the people who watch Great British Baking Show and MacGyver, that Venn diagram is very happy right now. Everyone else. I is mean, like, just text me. It's five of you. And I'm yeah. sure you already have my cell phone number. Right. So. 
but um, we should we should get to the show we're here to talk about. Julia, what is? Do you have any uh, like knowledge of MacGyver previous to this episode or not? All of my knowledge of MacGyver came from Patty and Selma from The Simpsons. <laughs> they Beautiful. loved MacGyver. They mm-hmm. they absolutely loved MacGyver. They always talked about how sexy he was. Right, but you'd never actually sat down and watched episodes of it. Never, never, never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I wonder what that was all about. Why MacGyver was the perfect thing that Patty and Selma w- like thought was hot. You know what I mean? What- uh, I think it's because he kind of has like, um, I could see having like a, a lesbian type feel about he's mm-hmm. a very beautiful yeah. man. Yeah. And I think Patty and Selma were supposed to be gay. Although one of them ended up marrying Troy McClure, right? So Right. It makes sense. I mean, even we, we did our live episode a few weeks ago and uh, uh, a lesbian in the chat talked about how RDA is my baby daddy or whatever. Like I yeah, could see and he's, he's handy as well. Like mm-hmm. he, he looks like he'd be a pretty uh, fun yeah, guy to have yeah. with you on a trip to lesbians want to be him and, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I know, think the outfits, I mean, I would, that's what I was saying during this episode. I was like, I would wear all his clothes. Yeah. Look at that brown leather jacket. That yeah, is yeah. And the like swoop neck shirt and shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get into it then. Let's talk about the, the episode itself before we do that we should get a little uh, a little summary right annie yes the summary of this show and i cannot uh wait for this because a lot happened <laughs> uh, a mysterious terrorist calling himself viking has set off a warning bomb on a cruise ship killing the captain pete thornton sends in macgyver along with charlie max old bomb diffusing buddy from vietnam to defuse the main bomb soon the crew discovers a second identical bomb when charlie is killed macgyver and the ship's interim captain carol must simultaneously disarm the two bombs macgyver figures out who viking is and tips off pete then using materials scavenged from the kitchen on the cruise ship he and carol neutralize the threat and save the passengers well done well done uh we're going to share our opinions about what worked and what didn't uh in this episode as, as well as how we feel it holds up now um but before we dig into that what like julia what were your first impressions now that you finally sat down and turned on an episode of macgyver um well yeah you know i was like it's so weird how so much happens, but so slowly it felt like. <laughs> this, that should be the tagline for this whole show. <laughs> I was like, uh, the pace should have been way faster and the energy should have been way higher, but it was the most low stakes bomb threat I've ever it, seen. It did feel very chill. But that's what happens when you have such a chill hero who really is so chill about literally everything. But it's interesting <laughs> to, to, to remark upon like when you after you've watched the whole show, oh yeah, a lot happened in that show, but every scene felt so slow. So <laughs> We're just so slow. used to the pacing of yeah, modern television. Could be, could be. Uh, so I'm saying what I liked about the episode right now. I'm saying yeah. I liked... <sighs> <laughs> you don't have to I, say what you liked. I did like it. I, I, was, I was more I- intrigued, really, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, because of the storytelling. And I was kind of like enjoying... It felt like a little mini movie. I was mm-hmm. like, this is because we we had a whole lot of story crammed into t- 42 minutes. I liked the outfits, like I said. I liked the hair, <laughs> like I said. <laughs> uh, I liked uh, the technology. I liked when we they revealed the bombs. Yeah. And it was a very intricate, yet also looked like it could have been purchased at like Spencer's Gift. <laughs> <laughs> style yeah. it had one of those like what are those things called you put your hands on it and then the, the yeah, like the plasma light. balls yeah <laughs> like, like they have plasma ball yeah um yeah I, I, that's what i liked i think that's good yeah yeah what about you annie <laughs> did you have any initial thoughts on the episode well, I mean, I think that this episode was a true MacGyver um, episode in that he mm. did, you know, use things that he found um, mm-hmm. to create a solution for the problem at hand. Um, and so by those standards, I think this was actually a pretty good episode. Yeah. Um, the other things that were insane, uh, we can talk about later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as long as we're talking like, uh, I mean, 
Julia, you're catching us after having done 13 episodes in a row, um, uh, which the quality of which go up and down and up and down. And I'm really feeling now like it's it's kind of one good episode, one bad episode, mm-hmm. um, because it feels like we're getting each time we're getting a little closer to the mark of like what MacGyver really is. And this episode, I really felt like in contrast to all the other ones, oh, good, we finally have like a story that kind of holds up and we have the MacGyverisms that kind of hold up. The only thing that's not quite right about it is the is the whole Vietnam vet thing. Mm. Like that's not really a thing that MacGyver ends up, that doesn't become interesting or important in his character. They It feels like a swing and a miss. Like they're trying to develop a little of his backstory and it doesn't really work because he he's we don't see him as like a tortured soul from of the Vietnam War, like it doesn't really fit. Yeah, with him. it doesn't really inform anything else that no. he says or does. And especially no. in earlier episodes, we have that character. Um, yeah, right. And MacGyver <laughs> doesn't say, "Hey, I was there yeah. too," which is just so confusing. No, he also established <laughs> that he used to fight uh, fires on oil wells in the past. Like he's done a lot yeah. of things in the past. So that part didn't work. But I think in general, like I just felt like the writing, the plotting was much better in this one than usual. Uh, and that's when I found out when I looked back. And I was like, oh, of course, they ripped the entire plot off from this Anthony Hopkins movie called Juggernaut (laughs) from 1974, which I will say this is the way to steal a story is like steal the basic bare bones of the story and create your own episode. Don't steal half the footage from that old movie and cut your whole (laughs) fucking TV show around it, which is what they've been doing so far. (laughs) They have done that. Yeah, they have just straight up used uh, clips from films and I will say one quick thing I wanted to mention is we actually got the real introduction of his uh, landlady slash friend. Finally. Um, she was just in the previous episode with no explanation as to who she was. And it seemed like they were dating. Um, and now we actually <laughs> find out who she is. We also found out where he lives definitively. Right. Right. Um, and, and we got a return from Pete who is his handler. So again, to your point, Nathan really like they're they starting to lock some of this stuff down tie yeah. some of this stuff together so that it uh makes sense which yeah. has not always been the case a lot of the stuff that got established in this episode felt like stuff that should have been in the pilot <laughs> you know yes. like I have a I have this uh, arrangement with Pete over at the whatever government right. blah 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 and like all that information should have been in the pilot and they were finally 14 episodes later getting around to telling us well so. I'm glad that's the first episode I've ever seen is this yeah, one yeah I, got, <laughs> so I think it. actually this is a pretty decent one to start with yeah it really is <laughs> But of course, the landlady, this is clearly supposed to be his money penny, a platonic friend that no, nothing ever goes anywhere. Um, but she and, happens to be hot. She happens to be hot. <laughs> and then uh, we never see her again. This is her second and final episode. <laughs> so, oh, no. So I guess they didn't like the money penny thing so much. Well, but maybe he inherits the apartment. Like, I don't, I'm just like, where is this going? <laughs> I couldn't figure out if this was intended to be his apartment and it's been totally redecorated or he's in her apartment cooking her breakfast and he's brought his giant radio phone down from upstairs or whatever. <laughs> like last time we had like foosball tables and shit. And this yeah, is it like, looks like a condo, like, the, like a quintessential like bachelor zone yeah. last episode. And now it's just sort of a normal apartment. And then he makes that cringy comment about how she likes her eggs. Like it's sort of like a, <laughs> a flirtatious thing. I'm oh, just, is it? This is strange. Like, well, I feel yeah. like that's a like, I'll make you breakfast tomorrow morning type of time. <laughs> that you see in a lot of these like old school shows. Um, And it just does not track for a landlord tenant relationship. Yeah. Right. Right. There was a line that he was like, uh, the Sandy was that her name? The one woman who keeps me organized. And I, and I was like, what, what is that? (laughs) Me again, that's not appropriate for your <laughs> yeah. di- for your relationship. Yeah, like, why you pay is her for rent? Taking like, care of your finances. Also, <laughs> that shot of the egg on her shoe was far too long. I kept we kept yeah. seeing the egg on the shoe. <laughs> Real gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, her name is Susan, but they put her as Suzanne in the credits. So even the people making the show don't even know or care what her Su- name yeah, is. Yeah, I, I feel like for whatever reason, attention to detail was just not no, yeah, on yeah. the radar for this. Well, not show. only was he was she, is she his landlord and his friend and his confidant and his personal organizer, but she's his maintenance person, which is hilarious because That's he should I'm not saying. need a maintenance person. I was like, you he can fix his washing machine. <laughs> Literally anything. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like it does not track that he would ever call his landlady yeah. for an issue like that. Um, he literally is diffusing bombs on cruise ships. 
Anyway, I also like, I mean, I love anything like really, really 80s. Um, and this robot breakfast, 21st century breakfast thing was so 80s to me. Like the our imagination in the 80s was so limited as to think that technology's next great advancement was going to be like a robot who made you breakfast. I, re- I remember that being like Pee Wee Herman did that. And like <laughs> short circuit, ha- lo- the robot in that looks like this. And like... Uh, what was the other thing I was thinking of? Um, oh, um, the beginning of uh, Back to the Future, where the dog food comes, like there's a robot arm that feeds the dog food. It was a very 80s thing that like one day a robot's going to make us breakfast. And I don't know why that was such, like why we were so concerned about breakfast. With that giant controller, I, I was yeah. obsessed with the switches on that thing. Yeah, like it was enormous. I loved it. I just <laughs> there loved was, that kind I, of stuff. The whole episode had sort of this like overly computerized technical, like we can talk about uh, Vikings voice a little yeah, bit right, um, right. and just how silly that was but that to me felt really 80s <laughs> totally yeah like this is high tech like you need yeah. to be impressed yeah suitcase that can make a phone call without you there was like yeah this is big suitcase deal. that can make a phone. <laughs> i also liked all of a sudden they popped on those headsets that were just like from their secretaries and i was like oh those work oh yeah right. <laughs> 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 like the tiniest little headset. They're like, gotcha clear. We're patched in. Uh, yeah, that was, wow. a, that was 21st century. That's that, amazing. Yeah. I was like, they're in the bowels of the ship. Okay. Yeah. They would not be getting service. No. Oh my God. Um, uh, I want to ask you as a as a former crew, I guess crew member of a show. Sure, yeah, crew member. That's right. Yeah, crew you were yeah. swabbing the deck and now, all if, the things you used to do. If a bomb went off and uh, you didn't know what the exact circumstances were of that bomb going off, would you mill around the ship as relaxed as all of the extras did in this episode? Oh yeah, Bus- business as usual. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, it, that was crazy. <laughs> and I, MacGyver did comment on that after the uh, initial warning bomb. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> that killed the captain yeah. in the, in the weather room. That's what I, I like the weather room. Then they all just went about their day. No, I feel like you would go into insane lockdown. I mean, and also the whole thing of like we can't get our passengers off the boat because of the typhoon that right. never showed up. Like it, I was like, this is not realistic there's like always ever since the titanic but you sit through hours and hours and hours of safety class so also we don't know how those bombs got on there in the first place dry uh dry dock they dry explained dock. that i think they, oh, I, they said it? yeah i think they did a better job uh, than usual of explaining the shit that happened and the fact that like i think the typhoon was like a writer's device to make sure that we knew yeah you can't evacuate like yep. they they uh, really penned them in with a lot of that stuff but yeah i i get it it's uh so when you actually were on the ship you had to go through a ton of like safety training and stuff yeah the first week is just like you sitting in deck one which is like three decks below sea level, four or five decks below sea level. And you're just sitting in a classroom learning all the codes and, and Hmm. safety procedures and all sorts of stuff. So definitely, I I also don't think they would, I think they'd be confined to their cabins if an explosion went off and they weren't evacuating. Hmm. Um, They wouldn't be like free to mill about. What would happen if you were in the North Pacific, the coordinates of which we have specifically for some reason, that's the one detail (laughs) they did include. (laughs) Um, (laughs) If that did happen, you think it would be first evacuation, second, like everyone hunker down to their individual places? If they weren't allowed to evacuate, I think that they would go to their cabins and then await further instruction. But also the only time that you're ever that far out into sea is if you're doing a crossing. So if they were crossing from someplace, cause generally you only stay uh, uh, just outside of the b- border of the country line. So you're mm-hmm. kind of close huh. to the shore just in case of all this crap, you know, <laughs> multiple bombs yeah. on the <laughs> ship. So that would be my guess. So unless you're moving also, from continent to continent, you're not in the middle of nowhere. In other words, yes, yeah. you're not. You're never just like in open sea, right? For no, right. normally you're just going from St. Lucia to 
What like you're going? Yeah. You're going 30, from 30 Florida miles. to whatever. Yeah, right, and right. also, they kept saying in the beginning they were like, "We're gonna fly to Midway," and I was like, "They're going to Chicago." I, going to I, I literally <laughs> thought that too, and I was like, and then I got into my head about it, and I was like, "Why do I always diminish Midway as an airport? It's totally valid." <laughs> and then I'm realizing totally. that's not oh, what no. they're talking about. <laughs> well, two and a half hours by chopper, five hours to Midway, two and a half hours by yeah. chopper. I was like, "Where's this boat?" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so we get to meet Charlie, who's the who's his buddy from Vietnam. Um, I this was the moment where I was finally like, is MacGyver b- bisexual? Because <laughs> I like how is this your running, first instance? Because of that. I have a running list of guys that he is so affectionate with, and I think that's I think it's just an an acting choice intended to be like. I know and love this person and you should know and love him too as an audience. But we've seen like the little flirty glances in like the Mozart cafe uh, line in, in the, in Hungary. Yes. I'm going to run down a bunch of episodes you haven't seen Julia. Um, the, the g- guy and girl in hellfire <laughs> that he like ha- hangs out on an oil rig with and definitely had some kind of threesome with um, the prodigal, Ooh. the younger guy in the prodigal where he like, he has like a romantic moment at the end of that with him. And mm-hmm. now this Charlie Robinson guy, I was just like, he's just like, he has a real open kind of like almost sexual kind of vibe with a lot of men, a lot of friends who are men in his like. Well, so here, here is my take on his over, like his overly closeness um, with these people. I think it's because they all wind up dead. And so he just (laughs) has to make friends really easily. And he has to be so familiar with people right away because all these people have died. (laughs) My friends usually die. So I get close to you fast. I that I think so. Yeah. I was like, uh, what a weird way to say his wife was pregnant. He was like, uh, oh, how's your wife? She's like, sick she's every un- morning, yeah. Sick <laughs> under under the weather, sick every morning. Yeah. I was I didn't know how this went. I didn't think that he was gonna die, Charlie. Cause I was like, I was like, this is the 80s. That guy's got a pregnant wife. Yeah. Surely. <laughs> I thought it was really strange that they went out of their way to point that out. Also, the number of times that Vietnam was mentioned, um, it just felt like too much. Like it was mm-hmm. overtly, there was a line that was so over the top. Like, well, back when we were doing uh, bomb diffusions in Vietnam, I was like, this is the clumsiest thing. 51 successful bombs. He finally counted them. I was like, he wasn't counting the tick marks the whole, I mean, it's not that hard, Charlie. <laughs> he finally counted 51. So that guy was his, one of his very close friends. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, to your point, Annie, like, uh, I wrote this too, like, there's just so much fucking exposition in every one of these episodes. Like the, uh, the line, uh, I, th- you're, I think you're talking about is when Pete says like, you guys were in Nam together. You were a bomb diffusing team. <laughs> it's just like, and they really don't trust us either. Like when they finally, I, I was really laughing hard at when they get duped at the, at the train station and the money gets taken. They say, may, they must say the words false back on the locker like 10 <laughs> times in a row. They say it to each other. They say, then the other person who wasn't in the room comes in and they tell them and then they tell Pete and Pete tells MacGyver over the phone. It's, they really don't trust us to understand what a false back is. <laughs> it's like a very simple thing. I was like $6 million. You send two people to the train station and you didn't even look behind the locker. That although I did like uh, when I not to jump ahead too much, but when I, I I liked the fact that on second watching you realize oh Donahue is like in the room. They've talked about the fact that Donahue has the back entrance covered or whatever, and then the minute the money gets dropped, he makes an excuse and leaves the room. So like they have set it up so that you understand exactly when and how he went and got the money. Yeah. I knew, I knew it was him. Yeah. Oh, it's the Scooby Doo thing. It's the second person you meet in the episode, right? (laughs) Yeah. I looked at him and I went, he did it. Is this how this works? (laughs) He he did it. It is. It's uh, law and order SVU does the same thing. They will interview. It's a second or third person that they interview. And they're always very casual about being interviewed by the police. And it's just like this person's being weird right now. Um, And then that's the person who did the thing. Uh, So, yeah, I just felt like the writing was particularly poor. Um, Like we did have those like pockets of things that we learned about MacGyver and the, the character building, which I thought was good. But in terms of the actual pacing of the episode, it it just got bleak um, with all of that exposition, I thought. I really felt like they were trying, like you could see 
the writing devices everywhere. Yeah, which right. as uh, as a writer, I actually liked. I was like, oh, like I see what's going on here. Um, yeah, yeah, like, it's yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Did you notice? No, I was getting excited because did you notice the relationship between? What was Captain's, what was her name? What was our Captain's name? Uh, Carol. Carol. Call me Carol. Captain Carol. Uh, her first mate or whatever. Mm-hmm. At one point, he's like, Carol. Like, they yeah. had like a, yeah. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, they have a, they have a history. Something's going yeah. on with those two. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That feels like, to me, something that the actor's like, what if I called her Carol? Yeah. Like, he's like going to make a meal out of his one line. What What if I called her Carol? <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, it's funny you say it's poorly written because it is poorly written in that the dialogue is so clunky and the exposition is so clunky and the devices are so uh, so visible. However, like I I actually thought the the plotting of the episode and the fact that they like kind of covered a lot of their bases this time and uh, and they gave us some backstory on on MacGyver's character and stuff. I like I appreciated that and I thought like oh this is actually better than average when it comes to these episodes. You know, it's just like we're just not used to this kind of like really clunky you know like kind of procedural 80s TV writing. I wonder if that's because they got this entire plot from a film. Yeah, I wonder that too. I I thought, oh, good for them. They finally wrote something good. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, this is all lifted from this other thing. Like the movie is like seven bombs set to go off on a cruise ship. And they literally cut it. They cut it in half. They were like seven bombs, (laughs) 2,200 passengers. And I was like, and they said 22 hours. And I was like, Oh my god! Literally, it was like three yeah. bombs. Well, they're like, we have a forty-two minute show, and that's a two-hour movie. That is, yeah, the most, uh, yeah, childlike logic effort. Yeah. Like, let's cut it in half because we have half the time. Uh, let's just get this over with. It also reminded me of that scene in I forget the Batman movie, but they also do something with a bomb on a, a cruise ship. Or, oh, yeah. or it wasn't a cruise; ship, it was a ferry. But um, but oh, it's a Spider-Man like, movie. It's a Spider-Man movie. They have two bombs set to go off, and they have to choose whether they're gonna like yes blow up yes themselves so up it reminded yeah. me of that and i was like yeah. okay so this is like you know bomb on a ship thing is well worn territory yeah. um so when we finally get to send macgyver and charlie in in we get the little uh helicopter scene where he's like yeah let me line up the wind direction on my helicopter by with- lowering the most valuable thing you have let's start with your bomb tools <laughs> 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 which is great and then we find out that macgyver uh frequented prostitutes in vietnam oh yes he did <laughs> wasn't that one of the most memorable nights of your life <laughs> uh that was a surprise to me that was a little out of character it's it was so strange because it was so out of character for him that I was like, maybe they didn't mean that, you know, like me maybe too. They, I was trying to like make like, another rationale for it. Maybe they were referring to something else because that would be so like beyond the pale for MacGyver, yeah, you know, I know they said that he traded some of his bomb. Charlie traded some of his bomb tools for <laughs> yeah, one night in Hanoi or something. What did they say? <laughs> I was crazy. like, first of all, what kind of like pimp is like, oh, <laughs> Right. I'll take a few of those tools. A few of those bomb tools. Don't describe them. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that was funny to me. I mean, we have to also imagine that MacGyver at that point was carrying a gun because he was in Vietnam, right? So, you know, he's changed since then. But uh, there's, yeah, I actually am annoyed that they even tried to introduce this idea of him being a vet because it it does not track. Doesn't track anything. I don't remember why he doesn't carry a gun, but I know they address it, and I'm sure eventually it goes back to Vietnam, right? As all '80s PI detective shows did, like it was always about the the PTSD about being in Vietnam. but uh, yeah, this scene in the chopper really bothered bothered me because any scene that's just crammed full of ADR really bothers me. And so every time they turn their backs in the helicopter, they're like talking a mile a minute <laughs> because, mm-hmm. and they're even sometimes when they're like almost turning around to face the camera and they're still finishing their sentence and their mouths are closed. Um, <laughs> it's so clear that they're like, we have to get a whole shitload more information into this scene and we only have X amount of footage. Um, and that kind of stuff drives me crazy because it sounds different too. <laughs> the audio quality just sounds yes. totally different. And then we get down on the uh, the ship. Yeah, he, he with a carabiner and some dental yeah, floss, some, sir. <laughs> <laughs> right, in a cargo net. Um, a cargo net that they take right. apart. Yeah. At least I will say this: I don't know how you guys felt about uh, Carol, but I at least felt like 
she had some agency and knowledge. Yes. Yes. When she said the thing about like, uh, oh, the liquid would go into these vertical like uh, electrical conduits or I understand like she's a ship captain. So she understands that shit. Like previously we would have needed him to mansplain everything to her. Yeah. And I like that she sort of at least consented to him helping her and mm-hmm. was part of that process. Right. Whereas right. I feel like there have been episodes where he just shows up. Uh, there is a capable woman who was working in this field right. and then he just explains <laughs> Shoves her out of the way. Um, I I have a this um, Mac taking a principled stance at the, in the in uh, that she should tell like everybody on the ship what's going on uh, feels just overly principled and it's the same thing we had that we had a problem in the prodigal where he was like this guy needs to be able to see his dying mom mm-hmm. even though the mob wants to execute him like I just always feel like that just goes like a little too far what do you guys think I don't think the passengers need to know what the fuck is going on right now I think that's actually I think like no they need to know when it they need to know but they don't need to know when (laughs) I mean although someone literally if someone dropped in on a helicopter that would be like right after the bomb (laughs) when I was on the cruise ship one helicopter airlifted one person out the whole time. I, and that was a huge deal. We were all like, did you see the helicopter? Yeah. Ah, right. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I cannot imagine making an announcement and saying, Hey everybody, uh, we want you to stay calm, but, uh, we're, there's multiple bombs yeah. on the ship <laughs> yeah, right, right now and we're doing our best. Just uh, an update. We thought there was two. There's actually three. <laughs> It's just, yeah, it did not make sense for him to kind of die on that hill and say, uh, no, you need to let everybody know what's going on because not at the point where they can't leave and there's nothing you can do. Yeah. He just always is just a little too principled for me. It's just like, come on, man, you can, you can let the lady run the ship the way she needs to run the ship. Um, I love, I thought it was funny when MacGyver's genuinely smiles at Charlie when he realizes that they're both going to have to scrub because there's a second bomb. (laughs) I was like, this, he is psychotic. Like he's so excited (laughs) that they both get to work on a bomb at the same time. Oh my gosh. Well, just like old, old days you, you go, I go or you lead, I follow. Yep. Yeah. If you can't scrub a bomb with your buddy, you know, who are you going to scrub a bomb with? So (laughs) he really also like MacGyver really gets off on that sort of the camaraderie in a dangerous situation. It's something that he is very drawn to. The hellfire episode was a great example of this. And I feel like we're back in that mindset, even though he gives sort of a half hearted, like, don't do it um, at the beginning. (laughs) Um, uh, he he wants uh, you know his his friend to be with him on this. Yeah, because he's got a hot ass. <laughs> <laughs> and who oh, knows what's right. happened between them in the past? Yeah, <laughs> and Nam, you know, yeah. Um, and actually, this is the second instance of a black character that actually has some agency um, mm-hmm. and is actually like seen as an equal or high status. Because and we've had. A few others that weren't, but between the female character and the black character in this episode, I felt like, oh, this is like, these are not bad parts, like for, for 80s television roles, you know? This is not as bad as it gets on this show. That's for sure. For sure. (laughs) For sure. I hate to keep referencing previous episodes, but when we, when we did our live episode, we talked about this moment when, uh, Pete and MacGyver have this saying that they, they say, (laughs) they say together and they both recite it and it's very long and it's clearly (laughs) something they've shared and it sounds like a poem and it did not work in that episode but i like this one worked when he when they were like by the numbers slow and easy we'll live forever or whatever like that sounds like something that guys would say in vietnam to each other when they were diffusing bombs right like it actually like made fucking sense it made sense (laughs) and that is more than we can say for uh for the other uh poem that you're referencing it made (laughs) sense and i was like honestly sure like have a phrase have pete know what it is too and let's uh you know let's have a good time (laughs) so uh yeah we get into this bomb and the silicon thing uh i was like if there's a silicon seal around the outside of this thing isn't it obvious it's a vacuum like i don't know that felt like why does he have to die to let us know it's a vacuum it's a Um, vacuum (laughs) (laughs) um It was, I was so sad. I was like, this guy's going to die. I knew it. I was, I thought he wasn't. And then 
Blammo, he did. I mean, when he starts, you know he's going to die because that's such a sophisticated bomb and they don't know what it is yet. And he's like, I have this tool from the ship's dentist. (laughs) There was no dentist on my cruise ship. No, no, there's a doctor, uh, doctors in quotes. They would just give you anti-nausea medicine and be like, okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the school nurse where you can go lay down for a few minutes, but that's truly. (laughs) Well, that's why they needed the airlift, right? Like if you break your leg, they have to take you off the ship. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Um, What did you guys think about? Like once they got into the bomb and everything, what did you think of like the way that whole finale played out? She steps up and I liked that she did it. I was like, okay, this is good. Cause she followed along, did everything he did. Didn't mess up. I thought maybe she was going to die too. Who the knows woman how this might sh- fuck it up. And <laughs> yeah. Not listen to directions. <laughs> She's like, Oh, this is a pretty tube. I don't, <laughs> but I, I was impressed with all that. The sucking up of the phosphorus. I mean, so this is when I was like, Oh, this show is like about science (laughs) (laughs) and it almost turned me off. (laughs) To be honest, I was like, science. Are you sneaking science into this? (laughs) What is this, PBS? (laughs) You're not a fan of science, huh? I guess I'm not. (laughs) You don't like, you don't like it being snuck into your, into your TV. Right, 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 right. I thought it was pretty cool, but uh, the bomb seemed so crazy looking to me. It really looks very crazy. Is that how bombs look? Do you you guys know? <laughs> I, I don't know. I doubt it. I haven't I had it. the pleasure. I know how they look in other media, um, and yeah, they right. did seem different from that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I it was a crazy looking bomb, but I think it, you're right. Like it was a sharper image kind of thing. But like, remember how fucking cool that kind of anything like black and yeah. plastic and sleek looking in the '80s was like like really futuristic. And when you, when you think about the fact that at the beginning of this episode, he had a remote control, the size of a bread box in his hand for a dumb robot arm. Like this looks pretty, pretty, pretty sexy, you know? And I think like, that's the whole point. It's just supposed to look like so far beyond anything you could possibly imagine in terms of technology that like you'd be terrified of it, you know? And in the end it was Donahue's undoing because it was too sophisticated of a bomb so mm-hmm. it narrowed down who the potential suspects. They were like, oh, it was right, it's right. just like that bomb mm-hmm. that was, you know, and that this- bomb. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, the Unabomber like filed off all the serial numbers on the batteries he used. You know, he should have been more careful. Hey. <laughs> all right, hold it steady for me, will you? I mean, there's little things that are like not perfect uh, about this. Like when my guy, my guy ever puts the tube through the silicone, it's like clearly like there's a, you can see air around it. Like, I know <laughs> it's yeah. not an airtight seal. But he did um, say he was like, because of the tube, it's airtight. Like you're like, OK, <laughs> exactly. that's not how that works, yeah. first of all. But, like, I thought you were handy. <laughs> I do think um, I didn't know this. I wish I had known this when I was a kid that they the show like worked with some teachers and put out some lesson plans for like science experiments you could do in the classroom. I don't know if they're based on MacGyver episodes or if they're just like MacGyver branded science, mm-hmm. you know, approved, but they, you can get, you can get them online now. They're like, they're these little like black and like adorable little black and white handouts that have like the little illustrations on them and stuff. And you can do like science experiments. Um, so yeah, I mean, Julia, this is not like uh, a super science heavy show, but usually when he's solving something, he's like, often explaining that like there's a chemical in fertilizer that's an explosive and he's like you know kind of explaining to whoever he's with that like you know I know chemistry so that's how I can make this bomb or whatever because I'm smart kids yep well that (laughs) makes me feel good because there's a lot of the MacGyverisms that I've seen that I and I think I've said before um, it feels like a science class (laughs) um, experiment (laughs) so I'm glad that they they took that uh, to its full extent (laughs) and just brought it to a science class (laughs) Um, it, yeah, the finale felt fun to me. Uh, one of the things I re- now that Pete is be- has become a character in the show, I remembered something I really hated about Pete when I was a kid, and I still hate it. Which is um, every time MacGyver's doing something that he doesn't understand because he's a dum dum, he's he has this inflection where he says MacGyver. <laughs> 
milk <laughs> and you're just like just like you you've known this guy for like 20 years you send him in because he's the best just fucking trust him like he knows what he's doing uh, MacGyver. MacGyver. I also just say they say his name too much in so general um but in in this instance uh could not agree more um, but I liked the golf match thing as a way to get him like off the phone so he could tell mm-hmm. him what was going on. Um, I liked the fact that the bomb came back to life like two minutes later. Yes. I thought that was like really fun. That was the most exciting part, I thought. And then he was like, Donahue. Yeah. <laughs> Donahue, you give me the call, Donahue. And I was like, lay the trap. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> but, I, but I couldn't believe that he would still give the blow the detonate i guess it doesn't matter right like yeah like you're surprised that donnie who actually gave him the thing that would blow it up yes yeah i thought the same thing and then i went back and i was like oh no he's doing something there he like several times when he's like asking donnie to make the call he says we got to catch this guy we got to nail him to the wall we got to you know like he makes it very clear in what he's asking him that this is going to be the thing that gets them to catch the person responsible. And so this puts Donahue on his heels because he doesn't want to be caught, right? So he's going to say the thing that doesn't allow him to be caught. And then MacGyver, then he says, pull the whatever one. And MacGyver says what he's going to pull. And then you hear Donahue say, no, right? And that's like his confirmation before he yanks it. Like he yeah. waits until he hears that. Mm, yeah. Um, so like every part of that, I was like, this is a scene that they would have fucked up in in like if it was episode four. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, finally, they're actually thinking through like what this looks like to an audience. And then he goes, Carol, yellow, yellow, pull it, yank it, yank it. <laughs> and then he kisses it at the end. Yeah, he does. <laughs> That's Charlie. That's him kissing. Charlie. Oh, is it? Yeah, oh, he's kissing Charlie goodbye. <laughs> I, I didn't even mind. This ending is exactly the same as Hellfire, and I didn't mind it this time, and I hated Hellfire. So at the end of Hellfire, Julia, he agrees to stay uh, with these this couple who is bringing in an oil well and, like, help them bring in the oil for the season. And he's like, I'll hang out with you guys and fuck and, like, party down and, oh. like, bring in the oil with you. Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't say all of that, but it's, very, <laughs> it basically it's does. very much implied. Um, um, that he- <laughs> but this one, like... He did the same. Usually he goes home at the end of every gig, right? But he is like doing the James Bond thing where he's like, I could stay for this hot chick, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't mind that he did it in this instance because it felt like cute and innocent and not, you know, and and not weird and gross. But all he said was captain's table. Captain's table, right. They didn't make out at the end. They didn't need to make out or anything. It was just like, oh yeah, we could just chill on the high seas for a bit. That's for night three of the cruise is the sex. Right. That's when they'll... (laughs) It's going to be a gentleman and wait for the third night. (laughs) I do think that their relationship was among the more appropriate uh, relationships he's had with a female colleague um, on this show. Like, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, there was like a little bit of banter and a little bit of tension between them, but it was not immediate makeout session or, you know, the jazz playing over the, you know, hands yeah. touching or whatever, or them being locked in a freezer together for example. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I think you're right. Like I didn't mind him being like, yeah, and maybe like I'll, I'll stick around because maybe it's just a, a friend thing. Um, I mean, they will hook up for sure, but, but um, there's a, cu- <laughs> there is a, there are a couple holes on that ship. They would not continue the cruise. Yeah. They would go back yeah, to dry dock. To port. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. There's uh, some blasted out holes. Yeah, are we to imagine that the, that bomb like did not damage anything to the oh. point where that's everyone that one is... room? Just well, that. I mean, uh, yeah, I went back and thought like, okay, so but w- if they can let one bomb go off, why can't they let all the bombs go off and just wall off everything? And then right. I went back and like they established that his bomb was below waterline and that Charlie's was not. So like, oh, that's why Charlie's and the weather room were above the waterline and the other ones are not, which, so it's like, again, the, like they've, they've actually thought it through, which I appreciated, but you're right. The, uh, the hole in the story, uh, of him staying at sea with her on that ship is as big as the hole in the ship. Uh, <laughs> uh how does it hold up y'all? I think it was actually kind of fine. Like I've seen th- <laughs> things that are made today that made me feel worse about women, <laughs> about women and people of color and sure, situations. Yeah. So Overall, it was pretty good. There were a too, far too many white men in that bomb room. If it was yeah, today, yeah. it would be recast. But 
besides that, I, I was like, yeah, I, I would, this seems like a timeless story that could be made at any time. Um, I thought, okay. I mean, they had a female captain who was not immediately uh, having sex with MacGyver in the first (laughs) 10 minutes, uh, which I enjoyed. And they also uh, had like a person of color in like a very prominent role. um, And it wasn't about uh, the fact that he was a person of color, which I sort of enjoyed. It was just a fact. Um, So that was good. Um, But yeah, in terms of like the storytelling and the, the production values, I mean, not great uh they ripped yeah they uh it was very clunky and they literally ripped off the plot from a feature (laughs) film that had aired a decade earlier so um you know that that's where it it lost points yeah i i the minute this episode started i i don't have very many memories of macgyver from when i was a kid only a half a dozen or so but I think I, I watched a handful of the reruns when they were like on USA when I was in college. Um, they were on in the morning. And this one in particular, I had a very strong memory that when the bomb scene came on, like at the end when they're finally defusing the bomb, I would typically I would ha- have to leave for my class like 10 minutes before the hour was up. And I was deliberately late to class because I wanted to find out what happened to those bombs. <laughs> so I have this like memory of blowing off a college class because I needed to see what happened at the end of this episode. That's amazing. Well, it involved milk and a pastry yeah. tube. And I remembered it all when I saw it. I was like, oh, I remember this. I remember sitting there being like, I'm not going to class. I have to find out what's going on with this milk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was a terrible student. <laughs> I was going to say that's kind of an old age for that to have happened. Oh, I was a very immature, very immature college freshman. We got to take a break. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk more with our guest and find out where this episode falls on our DTMP rating system. Stick around. We'll be right back. How amazing is it that we have the ability to send emails? It really is a feat of humankind. Then why does email suck so bad? It doesn't have to. If you're ready to enjoy email again, I have a solution. It's called Big Fred's Smut Collection. Receive a dirty animated drawing in your email inbox every Sunday. And the best part is, it's completely free. Follow at Big Fred Smut on Instagram, and you can DM your email to sign up. Sign up now. It's totally free at Big Fred Smut on Instagram. We're back with our guest, Julia. Julia, um, I want to ask you, what was your jam in terms of TV when you were a kid? Sure, sure. Well, like I mentioned, The Simpsons. Uh, Loved The Simpsons. Loved, loved. Probably where I got my sense of humor. What else did I watch in the 90s? Like, like, does Sister Sister count? Sure, yeah. (laughs) Sure. All those kind of like... (laughs) Coming of age, talking yeah. to the camera, Clarissa mm. explains it all. Strong female lead comedies, probably. If it was like a sassy girl, yeah. oh, I I was there. That so was, were you watching like nice. Sabrina, the Teenage Witch? Oh like yes, Blossom. Yes. Blossom mm-hmm. is like little before my time, but I I still remember it. Um, I remember that theme song. And yes. I will pin <laughs> your nation. Yeah, that's a really that's really good. Blossom. If there was a cute boy on it too, that worked mm-hmm. for me as well. So, were you a Boy Meets World person? Boy Meets World. Boy I Meets actually, World. they annoyed me. No girls. <laughs> no, not no strong female leads. Corey drove me nuts, but the older brother was hot. So I. What about uh, to? Isn't what's the? Is it? <laughs> I want to say Tanaka. Is that her name? Tanaka. 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 I feel like I didn't get cable until my parents got divorced. So I did. Is <laughs> that a consolation this prize? Is, okay, what was that? I have to, did, you, did you grow up in Vermont? Yes. Yeah. Every yes. single Vermont guest we've had, they cite access to television channels yeah. as what formed their taste um, as a child. <laughs> totally. I, I mean. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, but I did, you know, once 11 hit, my parents got divorced, then I got cable and then my life really opened up. So was the cable like a divorce consolation? Like, I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. I also went to Disney World and I, that was wow. like, never, my parents were like, no, never. But hmm. once I got divorced, my dad was like, 
let's go. You got to love me more than your mother. Let's go. It became a competition then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know how it goes. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're going to move on to our, our next segment here. Uh, it's time for It's Classified. We are on a mission to figure out what the best episode of MacGyver is. So we are going to rate this episode. Yeah, this is a rapid fire game and we're going to score countdown uh, from one through 10 on four different characteristics. Uh, And we start with you, Julia, because you're the guest. How exciting was this episode on a scale of one to 10 for you? Six. 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 Because there were some (laughs) exciting parts, Mm -hmm. but some boring parts, but most it was mostly exciting. So six. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Better than half. Better than half. Better More than, than half. half exciting. <laughs> um, More than half exciting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to give it a five. It is equally exciting Ooh. and not exciting to me. Um, I just, like I said at the top, you know, it's the slow bomb threat. I just, it was having, <laughs> I was having a hard time getting um, kind of sucked in and invested mm. in this episode for whatever reason. So okay. five. Okay. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I am going to go higher because uh, the things that were exciting to me were exciting. But I agree with you that there was like plenty of times, like when, the, like I didn't care about the money. No, <laughs> like, no fine, you lost six million dollars, big fucking deal. Yeah. But the whole ending was very exciting to me, as as evidenced by the fact that I wouldn't go to class. Um, so I'm gonna <laughs> go with, I'm gonna go with an eight. Is that crazy? That's like no. all over the place. There was um, that, there was that moment crazy. when they found out that he wasn't going to tell them how to defuse the bomb. They were yep. like, and then there was the moment where Pete was talking to MacGyver and told him the exact same right. thing. Word for word. Yes. Word for word. Slower. He says that he <laughs> we didn't operate in good faith and he's not yeah. going to tell us yeah. how to defuse the... Yeah, we know that. Uh, we already fucking know that. I just saw that three seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the scene I'm talking about where they were like, there was a false back. There was a false back. There was a false back. Was, yeah, it was yeah, not worth too, it. Too much. Um, all right. Our next category is acting and writing. We put those two things together. So on a scale of one to 10, all together, the acting and the writing. How was that for you? Uh, four, four. Mostly because of the acting. and the uh-huh. No, wait. Mostly because of the writing. <laughs> I thought the acting was fine. Okay. <laughs> Besides gotcha. Pete. But uh, the writing was not so Yeah, great. that's a high compliment for MacGyver. The fact that the guest stars were not terrible yes. is uh, is high compliment. You're, I like how instinctive and quick you are scoring these. This is not <laughs> typical of our guests. Uh, but you, Annie? Um, I thought the acting was pretty good among the guest stars here, uh, better than we've seen. Uh, mm. The writing was uh, made me want to rip my hair out in some places. <laughs> so uh, we're going to go with a four. Okay. Oh my God. I'm going to be the one that like uh, overcompensates for you all and tries to bring the every that's every episode. episode, No, usually I'm like one above you, but I'm like really uh, I'm really going to go higher now because I know you guys are going lower. Um, Is that is that like Michelle Obama? (laughs) Yeah, right. We go low. It's uh, that quote was actually written about about scoring things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) um, Oh my God. Uh, Writing and acting. I mean, I'm also so I have in my head all the other episodes of MacGyver and I'm like, as they compare, I have to rate this like way higher because I think it's the plotting is better. Them covering their bases is better. The acting is better. Everything is better. Uh, eight and a half. Holy shit. Okay. Next. What? <laughs> I'm serious. It's way better. You think give about, this uh, an eight and a half out of 10 yep. on writing and acting. And if you had given it a six, I would have given it a seven. But you gave it a four, so I'm overcompensating. Uh, uh, now, you, now you get to see my my thought process. Um, <laughs> I'm making you go first one of these times. It's uh, going to happen. Okay, great. Um, love it. Okay, so uh, sheer innovation. That's the MacGyverisms in this episode, Julia. Uh, how inventive was he in his solving of problems using th- things he found found around him? I'll say eight. I'll go high for this one because he diffused. Don't do that on my account. No, I'm not because uh, he diffused a bomb using, you know, milk. Had had no tools, and I'm guessing that's what it what normally happens. I don't know, but uh, I thought that was pretty impressive. I mean, there were like 18 bombs on that boat, right? (laughs) And And, he diffused all of them. They had to get rid of his bomb tools. Usually, he doesn't bring them. He doesn't come with tools. He just picks shit up along the way. That's his whole thing. 
Um, hmm. But yeah, that's great. So what about you, Annie? I, as I mentioned, thought that there were a good amount of um, tricks and, and gadgets and MacGyverisms in this one, more so than other episodes that we've seen. So for that reason, I'm going to have to go with a seven. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting to me because I, I understood the need for him telling the captain, get me milk, get me pastry tubes, get me oven cleaner. Um, but one of the like fun things about most episodes of MacGyver is that he's looking around a room, picking those things out for himself and assembling them. Um, and so for that reason, like I didn't, and the, the cargo net thing was bullshit. Like for me, the, I, it was impressive to watch him figure out how to, how to defuse this bomb using nothing. Um, but it wasn't like him escaping from a room or knocking out a bunch of bad guys using a bunch of like things he cobbled together into this puzzle. Um, so it wasn't as satisfying to me, but um, it wasn't bad. Uh, I think seven's about right. I'm going to give it a seven. Uh, 80s cool factor. Uh, how cool was this, you know, as it compares to what you imagine as like hot 80s fashion and style and, you know, TV? Five and a half. Okay. <laughs> it, wait, I'm like, there's so many missed opportunities. I mm. thought I liked mm -hmm. her hair. I liked his jacket, but it I, I didn't think it was that like there where were the cars. There wasn't an episode conducive to showing a lot of there wasn't real sexy. Yeah, it wasn't a very sexy episode. So, right. yeah, they could have had like poolside scene at the on the cruise ship. Right. That would have been where, real sexy. Mm -hmm. The high waisted bikinis. Where were yeah. they? Yeah. 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 yeah I thought we could have seen more with the passengers. You know what I mean? Like we could have done yeah. more with the eighties cool passengers, but, um, we did see the brown leather jacket this episode. Um, he had some aviators. Yeah. He had the sunglasses. I think that, um, just by virtue of like him meeting up with his old pal and, you know, getting the band back together, so to speak, <laughs> to defuse a few bombs with some friends, you know, why not? Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to say uh, eight. Yeah, I, I agree that there's some cool shit in here. I mean, I, we definitely could have used any story of any passenger on that ship. Um, unfortunately, I feel like this show would have picked the complete wrong story. It would have been like, an eight-year-old on the ship, right? That he would have befriended, <laughs> who's scared of the bomb, right? And it no, just would have been an awful storyline. But there could have been somebody having a medical issue, or you yeah, know, any totally. number of side things, or like yeah. a couple that's breaking up, and then it brings them yeah. back together, like <laughs> right, right. anything, you know, anything to give us, like, make us care about the human <laughs> <Yes>. toll. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so that that was a missed opportunity, but um, but I did like the robot in the beginning. Like I said, I was like, oh, I remember, I <laughs> remember, like. Do you remember when you realized how racist uh, Short Circuit was? You have to be really old to like have loved that movie and then found out later. Oh my God, that is a horribly racist movie. But like, um, but yeah, the robot at the beginning thing, uh, the 21st century thing, the, even just the Vietnam aspect of it, like we're working through our demons from Vietnam is very 80s. I'm going to give it an eight as well. We have uh, three more categories and they're just bonus categories. They get an extra five points if any one of these things is true. So uh, does he help out an old friend in this episode? He yes. does. Yes. Yes. Um, it's not really his fight, but he does help the, his friend out. His friend helps, helps him out. Helps his friend die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you oh, want to so split hairs, die. yes. Yeah. Um, maybe we should have like a, he gets five points if he helps a friend out, but like loses a couple if, he, if that friend if dies. If friend dies. I would love that because these friends <laughs> so cannot often. catch a break. Yeah. Um, they're dying. Uh, poor, uh, that poor uh, uh, bug expert in Brazil or whatever. Oh my really God, I forgot the, the bug expert. <laughs> I was still hung up on the guy from Thief of Budapest. The bug yeah. expert's dead too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, does an ex-girlfriend make an appearance? No. no. Um, is he detained against his will? I wouldn't call this that because his no. his bad guys didn't detain him against his will for this. No. Time. All right. Uh, it's now time for the results. Uh, out of a total 135 possible points, this episode receives 84 points, making it the third best episode we've seen so far. <laughs> that was just me sabotaging it. Um, but yeah, Last Stand is 88.5. Thief of Budapest is 84.5. And Countdown is 84. Deathlock now drops to number four. Target MacGyver right behind it uh, with number five. So those are your top five now. So we, I have forced this into the top three. <laughs> Basically, just my, my answer to that one question. The writing and acting. I just, I, this is going to be um, something that I quote to you uh, over the years, <laughs> like a poem in our friendship. Right. <laughs> right. 
Julia, before we wrap this thing up, uh, where can people find you online? Do you have something to plug? What are you up to these days? Oh, gosh. What am I up to these days? Yeah. You can find me on all social media platforms at, at Julia Defer <laughs> or doing shows with my wonderful friends, Nathan and Natalie. You may know them. The Vermont <laughs> Comedy Club. But besides yeah. that, I'm just waiting for the world to change. Is there one thing that you're hoping to learn how to cook that you haven't learned how to cook yet? I think I'm going back to the old country and going for uh, homemade pasta. I'm very Italian. Now, I heard you took a crack at that this past weekend. I did. And um, I mean, I just like was doing it. And I was like, oh, like, you know, it's just like in my blood. It's just very, (laughs) it's it's natural. It came out beautifully. And I was like, okay, let's get, I've always kind of avoided, um, Italian food as I became mm. an adult and was like figuring out what I wanted to cook. Cause I was mm. like, Italian food is for babies and losers. But <laughs> now <laughs> that I don't agree with that at all. I, I came just, to Italian you... food later in life as well. Yeah. I, I thought the same thing when I was like huh. a teen, I was like, uh, mom, I don't want that spaghetti. Like this is stupid. We just um, had yeah. it always. We had it always. Yeah. All it's the, the time. cheap and, thing that your parents give you the lousy version yes. of. And you're like, this is lame. Right. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. So, but now I'm coming back to Italian food and I was like, oh, this could be good. So yeah. I'll come over. I'll make you some pasta. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, this is a baking show podcast and we're actually starting a <laughs> recipe blog as well. So we're uh, the recipes. I have gotten into uh, baking over the quarantine. Yeah. So I've got a lot of things to. Yeah. Annie's doing a lot what of stuff too. Yeah. What do you bake? What are you baking? Baking everything, baby. I have, um, <laughs> you know, I I finally perfected the chocolate mousse that I have <gasps> rooted me for a long time. Um, wow. So I'm doing that, and I am just I've been making biscuits, which is never something that I it's not I didn't grow up with biscuits, nothing like that. Uh, but I'm getting but into there's. They're good and everybody likes good. biscuits. Yeah. I mean, do you want to just eat butter? I do. <laughs> yes. Like biscuit. I think I'm more of a cook than a baker. So I'm I'm happy. I'll eat all your I'll eat whatever you make. Fantastic. Well, thank you both. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please subscribe and review and keep in touch. Our website is themagiverpod.com and our socials are at themagiverpod. Uh, if you want to watch old episodes of the show along with us, you can get them on CBS All Access or buy them on Amazon for a buck an episode. Next week, we'll be covering Season 1, Episode 15, The Enemy Within. Take care, everybody. Remember, in the immortal words of our buddy Mac, Friends, friends are, are the, the adventures of life. life. <laughs> so hard, <laughs> but so difficult. Bye. Bye.